We're in the book of Isaiah, reading a very familiar passage of Scripture, especially related to this time of year, Old Testament book of Isaiah, chapter 9. We're going to zero in today on verse 6. As we talk about some of the names of God, let's read that verse together. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And again, I remind you that this verse was written seven to 800 years before Jesus was born, and obviously it is a prophecy directly related to the coming Messiah. And we believe that in Bethlehem, that Messiah was born, and his name was Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah. The first week of this sermon series, we talked about the supernatural nature of Jesus, and I won't rehearse those notes with you because you can go online and you can watch that sermon and uh, get all of that information. Our, our uh, website is bridgechurch.cc, bridgechurch.cc. Um, the second thing we talked about in this series were the mysteries surrounding his humanity. So in the first part of the series, we talked about his supernatural nature. Second part, we talked about his humanity. Now what we're going to do today and next weekend is we're going to talk about these names of Jesus that are listed here in the book of Isaiah chapter 9, and they are Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now, I know some of you have your uh, iPads there with you and your phones. I know you have your uh, scripture there on the phone and all of that. And I also know, whether you all realize it or not, that I, I know you're on Facebook while I'm preaching too, and you're tweeting stuff out. So tell people on Facebook where you are today. Make comments about the sermon, how awesome it is. I'll just help you with what comments to make. And uh, you want to put hashtag the Christmas story. And we want you to connect with us on Facebook. We have a bridge page there. Our other campus is in Goldsboro. We have the Bridge Goldsboro Facebook page. And we put a lot of announcements and prayer requests and other information on Facebook. Also Twitter. Uh, I don't really do that very much, but a lot of you guys do. And um, we are all hooked up in that area. So we hope you'll connect with us through Facebook. It's also a way to let us know what's going on with you, to send in prayer requests and prayer needs. We also have a place on our website where you can give your prayer request. We have a place on our website where you can tell us your story and how God brought you to himself. Um, we would love to hear about you. Not only is it important that you get to know about the church, but we want to know about you. So make sure you connect with us in these ways. Anybody who ever has a question here at the church, and you're not real sure where to go, when you come on a Sunday, that big desk out front called the Connect Center, you can just go right by there and talk to those ladies or gentlemen, and they'll be happy to help you uh, with any question you might have. So the first name that Jesus is called is the name Wonderful. Wonderful. There is wonder in the name of Jesus Christ. And then we ask ourselves the question, what is so wonderful? What is so wonderful about the name of Jesus? Did you know that Jesus 
was not named by Mary. Jesus was not named by Joseph. Jesus was not named by any religious leader or any prophet or any great famous Bible character. Jesus was given his name by God the Father. So let's read that in the Bible. In the book of Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 21, very uh, familiar passage of Scripture, very clear. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. Don't you like it when the Bible just makes it really clear? Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his, Mar his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Notice that. We get back to what we've been talking about, that virgin birth. Notice how the Bible continues to reemphasize the virgin birth, that Jesus' father was not Joseph. Jesus' father was God, is God. And Mary became expectant with child because the Holy Spirit came upon her, not because she knew a man or had a relationship with a man. Look at verse 19. Now, I want you to notice the sensitivity of Joseph here. I want you to notice his sensitivity toward his wife. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was indeed, was minded rather, to put her away. So Joseph knew that people wouldn't understand. And if we knew the whole truth and we got the whole story right here, can you imagine what Joseph went through? Can you imagine what he went through when, when he found out that Mary was expecting a child and he knew that he had never known her in that way because he was a just man, a godly man, and he had believed that she was a godly woman, but here she comes telling him, Joseph, I'm going to have a little baby. And I'm sure that was very, very, very difficult for Joseph. But you know, when an angel of the Lord appears to you and clears things up, that's really helpful, isn't it? That's very helpful. And so the angel of the Lord comes to Joseph and clears things up for him. But Joseph still is concerned about his wife's reputation. He knows that if he struggled with what's going on, he knows that society in general will struggle with this. And when they tell that the Holy Spirit is the Father, you know, he knows that society, most of their responses are going to be, yeah, right, sure, sure, that's, that's it. So he's trying to cover for her. He's trying to uh, cover her and put her away so that she will not have to go through this public speculation and uh, these rumors. Verse 20. But while he thought about these things, putting Mary away, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And in that dream, the angel said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, right there it is. Right there it is, crystal clear in the scriptures. You can't spin that. You can't twist that. I know men do try to spin it. They do try to twist it. But right there it is, as clear as a bell, the father of this baby that was inside of Mary was God, God the Father. The Holy Spirit caused her to conceive. Look at verse 21. And she will bring forth a son. So Joseph, you're going to have a little boy. 
And you shall name him, or you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. What an event. The angel comes to Joseph in a dream, told him exactly what to name the baby. And unlike most mothers, or just about every other mother I know, Mary did not get the privilege of naming her first little baby. The name Jesus, again, was given to him by God the Father. So let's look a little bit at what the name Jesus means. The name Jesus means, literally, Jehovah saves. Jehovah saves. Now let me just tell you this, a little side note. I don't even have this in my notes. But did you know that Joshua in the Old Testament is the same name as Jesus in the New Testament? So we remember Joshua of old who took over after Moses and led the children of Israel into the promised land. And so Joshua, uh, that is the Old Testament name for Jesus. But Jehovah saves. Jehovah saves. Now Jehovah, you have to, now you have to study that word and find out what that means. Jehovah is the most sacred name for God that the Old Testament Jews knew. There was not a more sacred name for God than Jehovah. And I won't go into detail about this, but even in the writing of his name, uh, they would take a pen and they, that had never been written with before, and when it came to Jehovah, they would write it with a pen, and then they would take that pen and set it aside, never to write with again, and then they would pick up their other pen to write further thoughts. But when it came to that name, it was so sacred to them. It was so precious to them. It was so honored by them that that is one of the ways that they treated that name by writing with a pen that had never been written with before and would never be written with again. So Jehovah literally means the great I am. Now, we've talked about that in this sermon series, God being the great I am, Jesus saying I am, and, and what that means. But let's just go back over that again, because this is important in your doctrine, in you understanding as a Christian what you believe and why you believe it. Jesus, who is God, has no beginning and he has no end. Never was there a time, get this, Never was there a time when Jesus was not. Never has there ever been a time when Jesus didn't exist. Jesus has no beginning. He has no ending. Jesus is God. Therefore, Jesus is the great I am. That means he is the I am of time past. He is the I am of the present. He is the I am of the future. There will never be a time when he is not. Now let's look in the word at exactly where Jesus revealed himself as the I am. He is speaking here to his detractors. He's speaking here to his critics, those who would criticize him and mock him. Look in John 8, 58 and 59. Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Now what I would challenge you to do, and we're not going to do it this morning because we don't have time, would be to go home and look in John chapter 8 and look at the verses before verse 58 and 59 and see how all this got set up and it'll even become more powerful to you. 
How many of you know when you're reading a verse in the Bible, if you'll read the verses before and the verses right after, that one verse becomes much more powerful to you? Amen? That, let me just tell you, when you're studying the Bible, you want to ask your, you want to make sure you're reading it and understanding it and interpreting it in the right context. So when you're reading a verse or you're reading a passage or even if you're just reading a phrase within a verse, you want to ask yourself, what did it mean then? What does it mean now? And what does it mean to me personally? Those are three good questions to write down and to remember when you are studying a passage of Scripture, when you under those, understand those three questions, you're going to get a lot of juice. You're going to get a lot of power. You're going to get a lot of strength out of your Bible study. So Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So when they heard him claim to be God, because when he said because they understood the Old Testament, Jehovah, only Jehovah is the I Am, only the God of the Old Testament, and they didn't believe Jesus was the Christ. They didn't believe he was God. They just believed he was a, a false teacher. Some believed he was a good teacher, but none of them, uh, very few of them, believed that he was who he said he was. So the Bible says they picked up stones to throw at him. How many of you know they're still casting stones today at the Messiah of Jesus, the Messiahship of Jesus. So they're casting stones to throw at him, and I love this. I just think the Bible's so cool. But Jesus hid himself. I don't know what that means. I don't think it means he jumped behind a piece of furniture. I don't mean, I don't think it means there was a closet door behind him and he jumped in that closet. I think this was the fair, very first, or one of the very first, not the first, because they're but the, one of the very first beam me up Scotties. Got any Star Trekers out there? I got to tell you, man, I think Jesus just was not there anymore. And then he appeared at the door, maybe, and whistled. And when they looked, he went, I'm over here. You know, I don't know. I, that's the Pharaoh Hardison version right there. I got some people who haven't heard anything I've preached yet today, but they heard that right there. They got that. And they're going to go out saying, you're not going to believe what he said about Jesus. But Jesus hid himself. That's all it says. Doesn't say how. Just says he hid himself. And went out of the temple because they were going to stone him to death. So it's the same. Now listen. Think about what makes the world mad about Christians more than anything else. It's Jesus. Matter of fact, i got to tell you something. The world really don't care if you talk about God. They don't care if you say God because they believe there are many gods. And, and they don't really care that much if you talk about the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God and God's presence. I mean, they're, they're, they'll lay kind of low when you talk about that. But ladies and gentlemen, when you say that Jesus is the I Am, that's when the hair stands up on the back of their neck. That's when they go into fight mode. Because see, the world wants to believe there are many ways to God. Many ways to God. You know, the Oprah Winfrey, Winfrey theology. That there are many ways to God. And I hear it all the time. When I'm watching, watching secular television and people are commenting on religion, it almost always comes out that, yeah, Jesus is good and he's got a way and you can go his way. He's not a way. 
He's the way. He's the only way. Now, if you're, now, thank you so much. Now, listen. If you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, well, I don't buy that. I don't buy that. I think that's too narrow. That's too narrow. That means this church is narrow-minded. I just remind you what Jesus said when he said, narrow is the way that leads to heaven. And broad, you ever hear people say broad-minded? You need to be broad-minded. You need to be open-minded. You know, you can be so open-minded, your brains fall out. Do you know that? <laughs> just be open-minded. You know, do you, how, you really believe God would only give one way? Absolutely. And I believe that one way is the I am. And I believe his name is Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah. And I believe if you want to be right with God the Father where we got separated in the Garden of Eden, I believe you do that through Jesus Christ the Son, and I don't think there's another way to do it. And that's what we preach at this church, and that's what we believe. Now, if you don't believe that, and you're not there yet, and on your journey you're trying to discover that, hey, we're glad you're here. We love you. We love you. All of us had to go through that process of understanding that and grasping that and believing that and receiving that. We all went through that process. None of us were born right with God. None of us were born believing. We were all born doubters. We were all born people with questions that had to be answered. And then our faith had to be activated. And maybe that's where you are and that's fine. That's what it means at our church when it says you can belong before you believe. You know, if you don't believe, if you haven't received Christ yet, I don't know a better place in the world for you than sitting right in the middle of a Bible-believing, Christ-centered church. Because we're just going to tell you the truth about who Jesus is, and that's what we're doing today. However, if you are somebody who's been searching this for a long time, and you've come to the final conclusion that Jesus is not the only way, and there are many, many other ways, and you are waiting for the moment when we are enlightened here at the bridge, and I get up here and say that, you have a long wait on your hands, because it's not coming. We believe this. We believe the doctrine of Christianity, that it is Christ, Jesus, our Lord. And again, notice what upsets people in the world. It isn't God. It isn't God the Father so much, it isn't the Holy Spirit, but when you say the Son of God, Jesus Christ, is God, He came in the flesh, He is our only Savior, He's our only hope of salvation, that is why men are angered, and if they could, would pick up stones to throw at us. And the people said, Jesus is the Son of God and God the Son. Jesus is as much God as if He were not man at all. And Jesus is as much man as if he were not God at all. I just thought I'd say that to make everything not confusing anymore. I'm sure you're sitting out there going, wait a minute, say that again. He's the son of God, deity, but he's also God who is a son, humanity. He's as much God as if he were not man at all, but he's also as much man when he was here on the earth as if, as if he were not God at all. His name is Jesus and his name is wonderful. Can I tell you this morning that he was wonderful in his birth? When you think of the Christmas story, he was wonderful in his birth. And then he lived a life of total perfection. So Jesus was wonderful not only in his birth, but he was wonderful in his life. If you want to know how to live your life, look at how Jesus lived his life. 
He wasn't only great in his birth and wonderful in his birth, not only wonderful in his life, but he was wonderful in his works. How that he ministered to and how he walked many, many miles and how he uh, washed the feet of the disciples, how he ministered to those who were sick and ministered to those who were brokenhearted and ministered to those who were confused. Great in his birth, great in his life, great in his works, wonderful in these areas. How about his words? Jesus was wonderful in his words. You know, I like a red letter edition Bible. I like to be reading in the New Testament, and when I get to something Jesus said, it's in red. Because I know that not only was he wonderful in his birth, and not only was he wonderful in his life, and not only was he wonderful in his works, but he was wonderful in the words that he spoke. It may be weird to hear this, but he was wonderful in his death. He was wonderful in his death because he willingly, like a little lamb led to the slaughter, did not open his mouth a word and died willingly on the cross of Calvary for your sin and my sin. Yes, the death was horrible. The death was heartbreaking. The death was dark. It looked like a victory for Satan. But I've got different news for you today. Jesus was wonderful in his death because when he died, he paid for your sins. And all you have to do is believe upon his death on the cross, his resurrection from the grave, and he was also wonderful not only in his death, but in his resurrection, because when Jesus came forth out of the grave, that meant that if you will believe on him and trust him, you will never die. Oh, you may shed this earth suit that we have so much trouble with. I'm just tired of my earth suit, aren't you? I'm tired of it not being able to eat what it wants. I'm tired of it having strokes. I'm tired of it not being able to swing a golf club correctly. I'm tired of this earth suit. I'm so tired of it. I'll be glad when I get a brand new body. We'll shed this, but we'll never die. The Bible says for the saint of God, for the child of God, for the person who knows Christ as his personal, her personal Lord and Savior, that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You will not die because of the death of Jesus. You will not die because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and your faith in that. And after he was resurrected, he was wonderful in his ascension. As he left this earth and went back to heaven, And the angels of the Lord said, even as you see him go away, he will come again in like manner. So he was wonderful in his ascension, and he uh, is wonderful there in heaven in his ministry as intercessor. Did you know Jesus prays for you? Did you know he prays for you? The Bible says Jesus intercedes for us. Jesus is like an attorney that pleads our case before God the judge. He prays for us. When you have a lawyer, you get in trouble, you need a lawyer. That lawyer pleads your case for you to the judge. And that is what Jesus is for us. He prays for us. He intercedes for us. He represents us before the Father. And let me close this little thought by saying that when he comes again, he will be wonderful. And the people said, I want to give you a quote and then I'm done today. 
J.C. Ryle, um, and let me just encourage you to read any writings by J.C. Ryle. Uh, J.C. Ryle uh, is an, a theologian that is long past. As a matter of fact, I was reading his stuff. I just wanted to see what he looked like. And I just, you know, you go in Google Images, you put J.C. Ryle, and there's his picture right there. And I got to be honest with you, when I first saw him, he looked like one of the guys in ZZ Top, just a little bit. I'm just saying a little bit, he looked like that. What do they look like? They got those long beards. And that's how he was uh, back in the day. But let me just read to you what he said. And I want you to listen to this. I want you to listen. The name Jesus means Savior. It is given to our Lord because he saves his people from their sins. This is his special role. He saves mankind, first of all, from the guilt of sin by cleansing us in his own atoning blood. He saves mankind from the dominion of sin by putting in the hearts of men his sanctifying power. He saves men from the presence of sin when he takes them out of the world to rest with him. He will save them from all of the consequences of sin when he shall one day give them a glorious body at that last day. He says, first of all, Jesus is very encouraging to the weighted down sinner. Now notice he writes old school here. He goes on. He who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords might lawfully have taken some more high-sounding title than simply Savior, but he does not. The rulers of our world throughout history have often called themselves great, great conquerors, bold, magnificent, and the like. But the Son of God is content to call himself Savior. Those seeking salvation may draw near to the Father with boldness and have access with confidence through Christ. So the only way to the Father is through Christ. In his role and his delight to show mercy, he said in John 3, 17, look at this verse, for God did not send his Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through him. But Jesus' name is not only encouraging to the weighted down sinner. Jesus' name is especially sweet and precious to those of us who have believed. He said it is often, the name of Jesus has often done them good. It has given them what money cannot buy and that is inward peace. His name has erased their weary consciences and given rest to their heavy hearts. The Song of Solomon describes the experience of many when Solomon wrote, Your name is poured for, is oil poured forth. Your name, the name of Jesus, the name of the Lord, is oil poured forth. I'll talk about that in just a minute. And then he closes with this sentence. Happy is the person who trusts not merely in vague notions of God's mercy and goodness, but in Jesus Christ himself. You know, I, um, I grew up in a Christian home. Um, <clears throat> I think I was born on the back pew. Not true, that's not true. 
But I grew up. My mom was a Christian when I was born. I was in church from the moment I was um, old enough to be taken out of the home and go to church. I've been in church all my life. And I remember uh, times when I was sick as a child or when our, tr our family was going through crisis or there was some other crisis going on. I would hear my mother pray. I would hear her pray. And I especially remember her saying, Jesus, when she would pray. She would pray, and then she would say, Jesus. And sometimes she would repeat his name three or four times, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And you know, my mother is not a Bible theologian. She studied the Bible a long time, and she's spoken, and she's studied the Word of God, knows the Word of God. But she knew there's power in that name. And she knew there was wonder in that name. I remember nights when I would have a fever and I would be sick as a child and I would not feel well and I would be miserable and my mother would come into my room and she would put her hand on my brow and she would begin to pray and I would hear that name, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I, I, I wasn't healed immediately, but there was something about my mother saying that name that gave me peace. It gave me peace in my heart that I knew everything was going to be all right. And then I thought about what Solomon said. Lord, your name is like oil poured forth. And I thought about, you know, oil, especially back in Bible times and even today, soothes. It's a soothing agent. It's a healing agent. And he says, your name, Lord, is like medicine. Your name is like peace to a troubled soul. You soothe me. You bring healing to me. And then I thought about, uh, and some of you heard me talk about this before, but I thought about the shepherd out in the, out in the fields. And I thought about the three main tools a shepherd has. Now we are like what? We are like sheep. And our shepherd has three main tools he uses. One of them is a staff. That's that long stick with the crook in the end. Because, see, we like sheep have gone astray. We wander. It is in the nature of a sheep to wander. It's not in the nature of a sheep to stay close to the shepherd. It is in the nature of a sheep to just wander around and get itself in trouble. So the shepherd had this long pole with a hook in the end, and he would reach out there and hook that little lamb and he would pull him in, and I've been pulled in. Anybody here been pulled in? You wandered away, and the Lord just pulled you back in. But sometimes we're stubborn. Sometimes we're really stubborn, and the, and the long staff, you know, that has the crook in the end pulling us back in, don't get the job done, and the minute he unhooks us, we're right back out there again. And that's when he gets the rod. And the people said, they didn't get quiet, they said, Amen. Because we serve a God who is our Father. And fathers who love their children discipline their children. And if you want to read about the discipline of God, you can go to the book of Hebrews, and it is right there, the discipline of God to his children. But he, the Bible says he disciplines those that he loves. And sometimes we need the rod applied to us. But this is the part I wanted to talk about. He also had another tool, and that was oil. Read about it in the 23rd Psalm. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He anointeth my head with... Now here's what that shepherd would do. He would build a fence called a sheepfold. 
and he would put a fence about this high, build it out of stone or wood or limbs or logs or whatever he could find, and he would build a sheepfold. But he would leave a little door in that sheepfold, and he would stand in the door. Jesus said, I am the door. And he would stand in the door, and then he would make a noise that his sheep would understand. Jesus also said, my sheep know my voice, and they follow me. And he would make this noise, and all the sheep would know that is our shepherd, and they would line up at that door to come into the sheepfold because it was time to bed down, and it was time for them to get into an environment where the shepherd could correct, not correct them, but he could protect them. But as they were coming in that door, the shepherd would get down on his knees. And as they would come into the door of the sheepfold, he would take his hands, the shepherd would take his hands, and he would stick his hands down in the wool of that sheep. And he would rub that sheep all over his body, looking for a bruise, looking for a cut place, looking for where maybe one of his predators had attacked him, maybe a snake bite, some kind of wound, some kind of place that needed the ministry of the shepherd. And when he would find that broken place, he would get out his oil and he would pour it in and he would take his hand and rub that soothing oil into that broken place. And each sheep would then come in until the uh, sheepfold was filled with sheep and every sheep had been ministered to. And then you know what that shepherd would do? If I can get back up, help me, Jesus. That shepherd would lay down in the door as if to say Satan if you get to my little lambs you got to come through me that's how God feels about you that's how Jesus feels about you I don't know what you're going through this morning I don't know what's going on in your life some of you I know a little bit some of you I know nothing here's what I've come to tell you whether I touch you this morning or not makes no difference whether you shake my hand this morning makes no difference. I'll tell you what makes the difference is when the shepherd touches you. When the shepherd puts his hands on you and finds that broken heart, finds that broken place, finds that wounded place, and pour, pulls out the oil of his Holy Spirit and pours it in and rubs it in to bring healing in your life. Listen to me. Stop running from the shepherd. Stop running from the shepherd. Stop wandering off. Stop trying to go your own way. When the shepherd says, the reason I don't want you to go your own way, the reason in my word that I have thou shalt and thou shalt not is not to control you, but to protect you. But when you do wander out there and when you do get hurt, because you disobeyed me, come to me. I'll pour my oil in. I'll bring healing to you. You know what I believe? I believe there's somebody here today who needs that touch in their life. I believe there's somebody here today and you need the shepherd to minister to that broken place in your life. So what I'm going to do is ask you to stand right now. Everybody who will stand.